0: You know what? The truth of the holiday season can sometimes um, include weeks and weeks of hustle and hurry and flurry and busyness and all these things that we do running around. I live over in Blackman area and um, I have to either go down Old Fort where the mall is or go down um, the Avenue Medical Center uh, to get home. I can go 840 but I don't like to do that but You know what, this time of the year, what normally would take me 25 minutes is taking me 45, 50 minutes, you know. It's just what we do. It's what people do. And so, you know, our month can be filled with running here, running there. Some of you, you're spending nights trolling Amazon. You're falling asleep and clicking on the button that's adding like wild things to your cart. And the next morning you bought something you didn't even know you bought and it gets delivered and you're wondering, how in the world did I get this? Well, you fell asleep and pushed the button. You know, it just happens. Anybody do that? My mother-in-law's done that. Um, but, you know, we fill our carts on Amazon. I want to share with you just some funny facts or just some things about Christmas here uh, and the holiday season that really puts into perspective this hustle and this bustle that we do. You know, Mike mentioned it this morning. We do. We, we run this little hustle and bustle, right? Some of us do it better than others. Some of us, it wears on us to do it. But that's just part of what we do at Christmas. Here's some amazing things about Christmas. Each year, there are approximately 20,000 rent santas across the United States. 20,000! 20, 20,000 rent-a-Santas. And these guys, they usually go under, all kind, under some training if they're really good and somebody's invested in them. They have some training. Their training might include how not to take payment from parents while kids are looking Or, you know, don't eat onions or garlic or beans at lunch. If you're going to be out there uh, dealing with kids, you know, it'd probably not be good. So um, here's another fun fact. Each year, more than 3 billion Christmas cards are sent in the U.S. alone. 3 billion. 3 billion. Now, that's something that's kind of faded in the last few years. Can you imagine what it was like a few years ago when everybody was really sending them? Now we send out e-cards, or we just get lazy and don't send everything, go, I'm sorry, I, I posted on Facebook, I didn't get my Christmas card done this year, right? Uh, we've already gotten some, I'm like, doggone it, how do these people get them out so early? But each year, three billion. According to data analyzed by Facebook, you know, you're on Facebook, they're always analyzing you. Anytime you click, they can tell what you've been doing. So according to the data analyzed from Facebook posts, two weeks before Christmas is one of the most popular times for couples to break up. That way they don't have to buy each other Christmas gifts. I did that, I think, in second grade. You know, had a little girlfriend right before Christmas. I think she broke up with me, probably because she didn't want to buy me a Christmas gift, all right? Um, During the Christmas season, though, there's nearly 28 sets of Legos that are sold every second. 28 sets of Legos. And if you have those in your home, you know how painful they are to step on, right? Oh, man, Legos, got to love them. The average American spends about $786 on holiday shopping each year. And here's the amazing fact. While they're out holiday shopping, they'll spend about $107.50 on themselves. Okay? Do you do that? Do you spend $107.50 on yourself? Christmas purchasing. Now, this is a pretty amazing fact. Christmas purchases account for one-sixth of all retail sales each year. In the United States. Anything about that? One month a year, we're buying, we're preparing for Christmas. We've got 11 other months of the year. But one sixth of all retail sales in the United States are done for Christmas purchases. You know, these marketers, they're really smart. You know, they use colors and they use music to influence. I read one that said if they play slow music in a store, you will linger and you will shop. If they play fast music in the store, you're going to speed on by, okay? See if you notice any of that stuff, all right? But here's one thing. It says that the red, the color red, stimulates spending. So retailers will purposefully weave red into their advertisements, into their displays. Target's got it right. They're wearing red all year long. You know, it's, it's just to stimulate us. And we do it. We buy, all right? <clears throat> the stress, though. All right? Here's what happens. The stress of holiday shopping creates pressure, competition. You might have seen that on Black Friday. Fear of missing out. It creates anxiety that interferes with calm decision-making, which often leads to buyer's remorse and overpurchasing. And all the men said, oh, you were brave. (laughs) All right, you know. Uh, we're not going to point fingers in here this morning, but uh, you know, sometimes we are a little impulsive in buying, and we do have remorse. I, I saw a church member uh, this weekend at Kohl's. I won't say who you, are, who you were, but she was there returning uh, some things that she bought on Black Friday because she said, I think I overspent, okay? So thankfully, I'll let you take it back. Um, but here's the deal. Early holiday shoppers tend to be older, wealthier, college-educated, and female. Right, ladies? Okay. And you know what? If you're an uneducated male and you're young, good luck. All right? <laughs> you're the ones that are going to be filling the stores on New Year's Eve, scurrying around crazy. Okay? I'll tell you a real funny story. True story, I promise. Um, when I was young, and I, I, well, I was educated maybe. I don't know. I'd finished college. I was doing my first year teaching. And uh, I was in Peebles doing that last-minute shopping, okay? We, we lived in Cookville. We had Peebles. I don't know if you know Peebles. But the holiday section was over here, and I was over there getting something, an ornament or something. And uh, I saw a teacher a friend of mine who I had worked at her school uh, doing my student teaching, and she was one of these ladies that's kind of intense, okay? Everything is intense that she talks about, and I don't know if you know anybody like this, but they're intense, and they get right in your face, And so I had my bags, and I was talking with her, and she just kept talking, and she would take a step forward, because she's talking really intensely, and I step back, you know, and we're talking, and she takes another step forward, and I step on back, and I probably stepped back three or four times out of the aisleway there, across from the um, holiday stuff into another section there, and we talked a little bit for a while, and then, you know, we said goodbye, and I ran on out of the store. And I'm going through the parking lot. I parked way out, you know. There's not a close parking spot. And I'm just trying to get to my car, doing that hustle, doing that bustle. Got to get things done. I'm late. I got to get it all done. And as I'm walking out, these two older ladies come walking by, and they're just kind of staring at me, looking at me real funny. You know, and I'm just going on. I thought, what are they looking at? (laughs) Well, about that time, I flipped the bag up a little higher, and I looked down, and there's this thing hanging from my bag. And what I didn't tell you is the the section right there across from the Christmas stuff was the women's lingerie stuff. (laughs) This was the biggest bra I had ever seen in my life hanging on my bag. Okay? Now, I'm a brand new teacher, and all I could think of was on the Herald Citizen, new male teacher shoplifts bra. I mean, that's all I could think of. So I wouldn't even touch that thing. I turned back around and I probably beat those older ladies back into that store. I walked up to the cashier. I interrupted what she was doing. I held that bag up and I said, "Um, this was stuck on my bag and I did not buy it. And she just kind of laughed and took it off, you know. That's kind of the hustle. That's the bustle. We get into things that we don't even intend to get into at Christmas time, okay? Thankfully, I did not end up in the papers. But that's the hustle and bustle. And so today, I want you to think about, and I want to talk to you today, about in the middle of this holiday season, how you can have a happy holiday hustle, a happy holiday hustle, because I'm realistic enough to know, I could stand up here and talk to you today about don't do this, and don't shop here, and let's let all the shopping stuff done, let's get focused on this, and, you know, let all this other stuff fall aside. It's really not going to happen unless we make a concerted effort to put the brakes on, on Christmas, and not get involved with this holiday culture that we experience in America. Do you know what it is? What it is, right? We've allowed retailers and marketers to create this, and we enjoy some level of it, okay? Even if we complain about it, there's some level of it that we enjoy. And that's okay, that's okay. God's blessed us so we can bless our families, but it's what we do with it and our heart's intent behind it that can be something different. And so I'd like for us to consider this, okay? During the next few weeks, I want us to consider sharpening our focus, changing it, refocusing a little bit in this holiday season, and make some adjustments in our family, in our routine, in those that we're around. It may be our work family, it may be our own personal family, but make some adjustments in our family routines to celebrate the essential reason for Christmas. We can still do these other things, but let's balance it out this year. Let's change our focus, let's adjust it. And focus on the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, you may already be in here, and you may see yourself kind of slipping into that trap this year. Today's the day to readjust, okay? Here's the thing. Let's ask ourselves this big question today, okay? What can we do? What can you do? What can I do? What can we as a family do to strengthen the message of the manger this Christmas in our families? To make the real awe, the real wonder of the season Not about the retail and the color red and the lights and all the songs, but to make the wonder of the season about that baby that God our Father sent into a lost world that was looking for him for years and years and years, prophecies foretold of his coming. But he came in very unexpected ways. What can we do to strengthen that message, all right? Well, this message begins with a story. God's a master at weaving his plan together. And this story began up on the storyboards of heaven even before we were ever created. Ever before God spoke the worlds into existence, he laid out this story to rescue us, to put it into practice. And this story is in Luke 2. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke 2. Luke 2. Many of you could probably quote this passage. You've heard it. You've said it. You've said in Christmas plays where they speak it out. We're going to be sharing it in, a, in at Joy to the Borough. You're going to hear it this month from pulpits. You may even hear it on TV shows. You might even hear it from Charlie Brown, okay? But this story is in Luke 2, and where this is where we typically pick it up, uh, the story of the magnificent birth of Jesus. And you know, I want to share it with you just a little bit differently today, okay? I, I'm immersed in the world of kids, and so I want to tell you about this right here. Here's something you can change in your family routine. If you don't have this book, I encourage you, if you've got kids at home, go home, go to the store, and get this book. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and you may say, my kids are about teenagers, okay? So, everybody loves a good story read to them, right? How many of you had a story read to you in the last year? You have, Today's your day, this is my gift to you for Christmas, okay? I'm going to read a story to you. It's, this is my favorite. I love this version. I, I cannot hardly sit down and read this to my kids without crying, okay? So if I cry today, I'm just a big old sap, all right? You might cry along with me, all right? But I put it up here pictures for you, all right? It says this, same as in Luke 2. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem. The town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full and every bed full was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you here. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come and they couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble-down stable. So they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there in that stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph, they wrapped him to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and they used an an animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us because, of course, he had come, so God pulled out all the stops. He'd sent an angel to tell Mary, tell Mary the good news. He'd put a special star in the sky to show where this baby was born, and now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here. He's come. Go and see him, my little baby, my boy. Now, where would you send this splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe. Or to a palace, perhaps. But God sent his choir to a little hillside. Outside a little town in the middle of the night, he sent all those angels to sing for a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside Bethlehem. In those days, remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and they would call them other rude names, which I really can't mention to you here. You see people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought shepherds were very important indeed, because they're the ones he chose to tell the good news to first. That night, some shepherds were out in the open fields, warming themselves by campfire, when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees began to rustle. What was that? It was a wingbeat, They turned around, and standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright, shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone, everywhere. Today, in David's town in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go see him, he is sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a glowing cloud at all. It was more angels, troops and troops of angels armed with light, and they were singing a beautiful song, Glory to God, to God be fame and honor, and all our hoorays. Then as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stamped out their fire. They left their sheep. They raced down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobble streets, through a courtyard, down some steps, more steps, more steps, past an inn, round a corner, and through a hedge until at last they reached a tumble-down stable. They caught their breath. Then they quietly tiptoed inside. They knelt down on a dirt floor. They had heard about this promised child and now he was here, heaven's son, the maker of the stars, a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. This baby would be like that bright star shining in the sky that night. He would be a light, in this, a light up the whole world, chasing away the darkness, helping people to see. And the darker that night got, The brighter that star became. Aren't you glad he came? In a way that boggles our mind. And have you ever really wondered why did he pick the shepherds? Of all people he could have picked, why did he pick these rough, wild outdoorsmen? Probably didn't have good social skills. They might have been loners. Some might even say they were hermits. They really weren't the community leaders, the influencers that we would pick to share good news. We probably would not send these shepherds down to the town square and make them the spokesperson for this wonderful news. But God picked them. I don't want us to look again at their response. In Luke 2, 15, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to us, Let us now go into Bethlehem, we're not going to wait around here. We got to go check this out. Let us see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord Himself has made known to us. And they came with haste. Everybody say hustle. hustle. Have you ever been told to hustle? Have you ever been told to get your stuff, on, get your stuff on, get out of this house? Let's get in the car. Let's hustle. They came with haste. They came with hustle, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they went out and they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. You know, the shepherds, we think we do a really good hustle at the holidays. The shepherds were actually the ones that did the first holiday hustle. They were running to find this baby. They hustled. They didn't wait. They didn't consider Should we go or not? They said, let's go. They did the first holiday hustle. But their holiday hustle, they weren't running the Black Friday lines. They weren't baking in their homes until their bellies popped. They hustled and made sure that their hustle was all about verifying the truth of God's news. Let's go see. And spreading the message that the Messiah had been born. Their holiday hustle was a whole lot different than the hustle we get caught, caught up in in Christmas time. They made it a priority. Think about this. What would our holidays look like? What would they be if we adjusted our hustle more to align with the hustle of the shepherds and what they did to go share the good news about Jesus? What if we did that this year? What if we did let's go and let's see and then let's go and tell? You've had this story put in your heart for years upon years upon years upon years. But do you share it? Do you share this news at Christmas? Let's make an adjustment if we don't. This is our opportunity. Do we make the truth of Jesus' birth the main reason we celebrate Christmas? tell you another story few years ago, when it was just Sarah and I and the girls, pre-Jack, before life got challenging, um, you know, if you have boys, you know, it's just different. Um, But our girls, they were so fun. Jack's so fun. You know, Pastor Eddie talks about Jack. He's a great kid. He's wonderful. Uh, He's a joy. But I went to Hobby Lobby several years ago, Christmas time with my girls. We went in and, you know, at Hobby Lobby at Christmas time, Thank goodness, they're a Christian company. But right there, as you walk in, you grab your buggy, right there in the middle of all that, they had this huge nativity display set up. Beautiful. Characters, I mean, some of those characters were probably this tall. And the, the stable, and everybody was there. All the characters. And we're walking by, and we're looking at that, and all of a sudden, my girls, both of them said, Where's Jesus. Hey, so loud in the store. I know people are looking around. Where's Jesus? I'm like, they're I promise I tell them about Jesus, you know? They're not heathen kids, all right? But uh, they said, "Where's Jesus?" All these characters were there. Mary, Joseph, the animals, the shepherds, the wise men. They were there. But the manger was there, but it was empty. And they knew that. There was something missing. My first reaction was embarrassment because they were so loud. You know, I'm like, these are my kids. They're great kids. They're not those rowdy ones that you wish you were on the other side of the store. All right, you know. But this thought really raced through my mind right after that. As soon as they cried out, where's Jesus? Kind of dropped down in my heart. Do I leave out the most important part of Christmas sometimes? Just like this display here, all the characters were there, but the most important character, Jesus, was missing from that display. The manger was there. Something was missing, and we can do this at Christmas times. We can make all the preparations. We can do all the things that establish Christmas in our home, and we set up the tree, we wrap presents, we send cards, we bake pies, we wear festive colors and ugly sweaters and all of these great things. But here's the deal. Unless we are awed by this story of what was laid tenderly there in that feed trough, and unless we're drawn to worship, drawn to celebrate, drawn to give him glory to the one whose head was nestled there in that soft hay and wrapped in these swaddling cloths, If we reflect on the Christmas miracle and we don't glorify God for what occurred, then there's probably something missing in our manger. There's probably something missing in our manger. We can't do Christmas without acknowledging this central character. We can't leave him out of our Christmas. So what can you do this Christmas to ensure that the manger Of your heart is full. Full of worship for our Savior. Luke 2.20 says that the shepherds returned after they were there at the manger. They returned praising God, glorifying Him for all the things that they had seen and heard and as it was told to them. They could tell the story and use their words But their words were focused on worship. Their attention was not down here on this earth. Their attention was on glorifying the master planner of this whole story. They praised God and they glorified Him for what they had seen and what was told to them. So let's be like these shepherds. You know, we can do the hustle. But let's do the hustle and let's glorify and let's praise God for the wonderful news And can we put Jesus this month in the manger of our heart and keep him there all through the holidays? You know, some of us, the holidays are a hard time. It's a sad time because we have a hole in our heart sometimes where we've lost a loved one, we have a broken relationship. You know what's going to fix that? They can't come back to us. But when we fill it with more of God and we fill it with more of his presence, that aching and that longing in our heart can subside. And we can be filled with his presence. The last part of this story is pretty amazing. is what I want us to look at today in Luke two nineteen, It says, after the baby was born, after the angels had come and they announced the news into the nighttime sky, and after the shepherds had made haste and done the hustle to Bethlehem to visit the king, it says this, It says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. For years and years and years, she lived off the wonder and the awe of the events of that night. Another version says it like this. It says, but Mary kept thinking about all this and she kept wondering what it meant. She kept wondering what it meant. Now, this Christmas season, we're going to have all kinds of fun. We're going to see family. Some of them you probably don't want to see, but some you're glad to see. You know, I missed out a family uh, gathering last night. My mom has six brothers, and um, they all get together. And this year, I didn't get to go. And so, you know, I missed that. But they were going to have a good time. Every year, I'll tell you something funny. Every year, there's this little thing that floats around. It's called a duty head game. And it's this game, and you guessed it, has little duty things on it. But they were intending to give that to me last night, and so I foiled the plan. But we're going to have all kinds of merry moments this holiday season. But here's the thing. Our merry moments during this holiday should never outnumber our merry moments. The moments like Mary, where we ponder and we think about And we rehearse this story. And we see it through different eyes and different ways. And it weaves into our heart and our day, our merry moments. If we fill it with those moments of thinking about and wondering and and thanking God for what he did, we can't allow the merry moments, the fun, to outnumber those merry moments that God puts in our heart. Mary kept replaying all these events. She kept thinking about them. She kept wondering what it meant. Here's the thing that'll help us. Ask the Holy Spirit. He's there to be our helper. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to be mindful and ponder and replay the wonder of Jesus' birth this Christmas. Last story, promise. I used to teach third grade uh, the last five years that I taught school. And every year, we read this book together. I loved it. We could get together as a novel unit and read this book about Jesus, okay? You know, it's amazing. People say God's not in schools. Yes, he is. He's in the heart of every Christian teacher. He's in the heart of Christian children. And the things that they will say in school are a lot of times more powerful than what we say. So we're reading this book. If you have never read this book, I want to encourage you. It's a kid's book. Hey, indulge the kid at heart that you have. Go get this book. Go find it. There's even a movie on YouTube. The movie's not as good, but this book is good. And it's about these horrible kids, okay? Now, brace yourself. They say some bad things. They do some bad things. They smoke cigars in the church bathroom. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're just heathen kids. They don't have a father around. And their mother works all the time because she can't stand being at home with them. And so they're called the Herdmans. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she works all the time. They're the Herdmans. They're horrible kids. But they come to church because they heard there's food at church. And they come to church, and while they're there, they hear the announcement that there's going to be a Christmas pageant. And come be a part. Well, they're bullies, and they wipe out everybody who wants a leading part. And these nasty, mean, unkept children become Mary, Joseph, the wise Man, the angels. And this story is amazing. But here it is. What happened? The best part of the book... There's a a part where King Herod is plotting to kill baby Jesus, and he tells the wise men, go find him and bring word back. And the character in the book, they get so upset that Herod wants to murder baby Jesus. They can't even imagine it. These heathen kids get so upset, and they see Herod for what he actually is, a murderer. And one of the characters asks this, what if the wise men went back, And told on the baby Jesus. And what if Herod actually did go and find Jesus and kill him? And there's this line in this book. It says this. What if no Jesus ever? I sat in that room when we read this. And I could hear kids drawing a breath. Because that thought sank into them. And that day, I remember sitting in that room with those kids and that thought sinking down on the inside of me, no Jesus ever. What would my state be if I didn't have the hope that Jesus came to die for me? What would my life look like without the hope that was sent and that room that day a merry moment happened for kids who don't even go to church and little voices of kids that did go to church were able to tell them no, no, no there was a Jesus and he really came and that moment sank into all of us so give some thought to Christmas this year, to this miraculous story. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your days with these merry moments that Mary had, and it'll even make your other merry moments even better. And don't let those merry moments outnumber the merry pondering moments, the wondering moments. Here's my challenge to families, to individuals, to all of us in this room. What can we do in the middle of all this activity this Christmas season to make sure that we don't have something missing from the manger? What can we do? What will our holiday hustle look like? And here's the last thing. How can we make room and make sure that our merry moments don't outnumber our merry moments? This is for us. I don't know, you were royally set up today. You guys picked the songs today. It was all amazingly lined up. You mentioned something that fits in with this message. This is God's message to us today. So what does this look like in our homes? What does it look like in our workplace? What does it look like for us? We're going to get ready to pray here in a minute. But think about this. In our families... Maybe it's changing our bedtime routine with our kids. Maybe it's changing up what we do to include some stories or some more discussions this Christmas about this miracle that happened. Can we use that as an opportune time to really impart some things into our kids? Maybe it's something as reading some simple as reading the Christmas story before we open gifts. At my house, my kids, we don't come downstairs. I don't let them see anything at that tree on Christmas morning until we sit at their bed and we read the story. Because all that stuff at the bottom of the tree is not going to be impactful for us in eternity. It's the truth that we know about the Word of God. Maybe you go see Christmas lights Talk about Jesus being the light of the world, and you see that light right there? Darkness can surround it, but it cannot overcome that light. And Jesus is the same way. One day the light's gonna come and dispel all the darkness. That's Him. Maybe we refocus our gift efforts to align more with the heart of giving this year. Maybe we do something through our words, our actions, our deeds that show the giving nature of Christ and God in this season. Ask the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes to see Him and to see Christmas with His lens. It's going to change us. Our focus will change and we'll be different for it. I want you to look for opportunities. Find those opportunities to share God's love with someone. We can get frustrated with people in stores. What if we're the, they're the very ones that we need to show kindness to that day? What if we can speak life into them? What if we can speak words of encouragement? What if we can speak comfort? What if we prayed with somebody in the Walmart aisleway about a need they have? That's filling the manger. And that's what God wants us to do. Let's stand this morning.